Alan Hirsch Advisors, creating aha moments, presents Aha Business Podcasts. We provide opportunities to discover information to help you run your business and guide your decision making. The more you know, the better decisions you make. For more information, log on to alanhirschadvisors.com. I'm your host, Alan Hirsch. Welcome back to uh, the AHA Business Podcast. My guest this morning is Todd Marks, president of MindGrub. Uh, so welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Alan. It's my pleasure. So what motivates you to get up in the morning and go to work? Solving problems. Is it, is it simple as that? Yeah, I'm challenge-oriented. Um, I, you know, I love a good fight. I love a good problem. And I love to jump in on things, and uh, this world has a lot of problems. Well, I'm sure it does. I mean, we're we're living through one with the COVID-19 uh, 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 pandemic going on right now. But uh, so, tell me more about MindGrub. What is it that you specialize in? What do you do? Yeah, MindGrub. Really, we're we're starting a revolution in empowering humans and unblocking them through creative, innovative, and technology solutions. We're essentially an agency, a consultancy, and a support group. But we make apps for Wendy's and Yamaha and the government. We make mobile apps that you know, fly drones and shoot rockets. We do some really cool stuff here. Oh, that's great. So uh, what are some of the things you've done? Uh, you know, and what has been your comp- uh, career path that got to you to do MindGrub? Absolutely. So, um, so MindGrub itself, um, as I mentioned, we make some of the largest enterprise mobile apps and web apps. And we work with startups um, locally here in Baltimore. We helped make some of the first apps for Parking Panda and OrderUp that had exits and acquisitions. We're working now with um, Thrive and um, we built software with Burnalong. Some other startups really exploding. We've got a venture arm and a portfolio company right now called Spotwash that does on-demand car washes, and we've been working with hospitals to keep cars clean um, and sanitary for nurses and first responders. Um, but so Micro, we make, we make software, and, and we really found um, a niche in both startups and empowering them and you know, unblocking humans with, with those uh, software solutions, all the way up to working with the government and utilities, and we've made all of you Exelon's apps, bg and Common, and Pico in this area. Um, you might have one of those on your phones, but working with Yamahas and Wendy's of the world. But MindGrub is really growing um, beyond just software development and, and marketing. We have a really strong marketing component. We're getting into robotics and smart city initiatives and augmented and virtual reality, gamification, um, IoT, a lot of really innovative things because we position ourselves as really a company along the the future path of where man and machine are colliding, um, trying to basically make software you want to use. So uh, how, did you, how did you get to here? Uh, you know, how long has MindGrub been in existence and how did you get to here? Yeah, so really what I tell a lot of people in starting a business is you have to have the need, the experience, and then you have to ride some disruption. So I, I started out um, actually, as an outdoorsman, I, I always wanted to you know, be a teacher, and I was a climbing instructor and a kayaking instructor uh, post-college, and did that as long as I could. Ended up getting married and having kids and realizing I needed a career. <laughs> so I started out as a high school teacher, and I taught math and computer science, and this was the late 90s, and then the internet boom happened, 
And um, I had gone to school for math and computer science and art. And the internet happened and the dot com and my students were so enthusiastic about coding and writing software and it kind of infected me and I had some you know great you know mentors and an instructional lead and thought I can do this. And one of my kayaking partners at the time um, was one of the first kind of pioneers in working with a product called Flash. It was Future Splash became Flash. Now it's dead, but you know that was late 90s. And so we started our first digital company. And then I would go from there to working for the government, to working for a Deloitte company in New York, to starting to work on large enterprise sites from you know, A&E's history.com to working off Wall Street and making financial dashboards for City, Bear, and some other organizations. That said, I had a lot of experience. I had tried working for myself. I worked for my, with my friend um, at the time in the 90s, starting that first company. We, you know, went through the rocky roads like everybody. In 2001, it was highly disruptive. We didn't have the capital to stay in business, but I started MindGrub in 2002 and tried to grow it, but there wasn't real disruption after 2002 until 2008 with the Great Recession. Also in 2008, in January, um, Apple released the iPhone SDK and made developing mobile apps possible. So I was working in Chicago, it was winter. I had my 10,000 hours, my kids were all back in Baltimore and I was you know, commuting to Chicago every week, working for a Deloitte company with you know, nearly 100% travel. They released this SDK and, and that was it. I, you know, I, I gave a, uh, you know, a, I quit this sort of thing. I still stayed out for six months, actually. I, it was a great employer. I loved it. Um, but I was eager and I started hiring students from UMBC where I was also an adjunct professor um, teaching instructional technology. I've always been a teacher throughout. And we held up in my basement in uh, 2008 making mobile apps. And now we're about a 150 person agency, um, you know, all over the nation. Um, with offices all along the East Coast, um, with some very humble beginnings. Yeah, so you've you've grown substantially in the last uh, uh, twelve years, I guess. We have absolutely. We, um, you know, and, and it's been fairly steady. Our goal is to grow at thirty percent per year. Uh, when the economy gets a little more disruptive, um, we find ourselves growing even more. I mean, we were spawned in a disruptive period and learn to leverage that disruption, you know, as a catalyst to get out ahead of the market. And um, COVID has been good for us. Uh, we've grown about another 20, 25, actually 30 people now in the last two, three months. Um, and there's just a ton of demand for what we do as the world, the whole world pivots um, toward, you know, better health and social distance, but that is a boom for digital transformation. So what, what in this pandemic uh, allows you to grow and provide services uh, to your clients and perhaps get more new clients and in, in creating, I guess it's creating the change, but how does this go about? Well, our business was um, largely in person. I'm here sitting in my office because I actually have a, a meeting this afternoon, which is, which is really weird. I, don't, I haven't been here for, for weeks and weeks. Um, we were very in person from our employee base being entirely in Baltimore. And, you know, we have climbing walls behind me and ping pong stations and a robotics lab and myself and our chief of staff is here and uh, um, our um, office manager. And I, I suspect one other employee who lives around the corner with roommates and he's been here throughout the entire time. 
but we were, everybody was here. We had about 95 people here. Plus we have two incubators, one behind uh, this office. And then we uh, turned another restaurant into a, both a food and a tech incubator. And they were jamming. We were running out of room and, you know, buying uh, real estate. And then all of a sudden when COVID hit, we were able to go entirely online and everything we had done up to this point was such that it was along the path of singularity. So having, you know, even servers, which is technology in an office didn't make a lot of sense because it doesn't scale. So we had everything in the cloud. We were all digital, our communications, even if we're in this office where we have great collaboration space, we still documented and communicated via, you know, Slack and email and other channels. So going online for a business that we thought we had a lot of dependencies on physical space, um, it was a freeing moment for us. Even our sales and business development team who largely did our business development at in-person networking events, um, we were worried in the beginning. We thought, wow, our, our standard operating procedure is to meet people physically. How do we do it? And as an innovation agency, we innovated for ourselves. And we thought, well, the goal is to still reach as many people on the outside of the funnel and you know, get to as many you know, prospects and give them solutions and get one-to-one -one meetings, whether it's Zoom or in person, and you know, get the deals. And we found by not having to meet physically, it was actually a, a freeing event for MindGrub. So now our employees can be anywhere, our clients can be anywhere, we can be anywhere, and we're, we don't have dependencies as knowledge workers on physical space. And um, it actually, it made us more efficient as a business. Um, whereas a lot of businesses felt the pain. If you were a, you know, white tablecloth restaurant, you were all about your table service. You never did even take out. You probably went out of business pretty fast. If you had some table service, but some takeout service, you had to pivot and you had to start really boosting your takeout for those restaurants that were entirely takeout and they already were on Uber Eats or Instacart um, or Grubhub, you name it, they had a boom and they're doing more revenue than they had before. So it just, you know, there was a lot of disruption and it mattered, you know, which side of the fault line you were on. You either fell into the ocean or you have the new, you know, beachfront property. And I, I think we benefited, uh, which enabled us to give a lot, a lot back. We have always been an advocate of the community and we were able to actually step up um, our focus on the community during all of this because the business has been successful. So some of the things that you've instituted uh, came about just by coming about. Do you see yourself being able to shrink your uh, uh, footprint and and uh, uh, decrease the amount of space that you're going to have as you go forward? We don't know. We have no idea how long the pandemic will last. Right. Well, it's interesting. So um, for MindGrub, I do not need is I'm not going to need the physical office space in the future, and I don't think I'll need the big box physical office space. That said, we're growing pretty fast. And so I could see using this office, which we love and adore, um, as our um, back office. So operations, HR, accounting, finance. But our producers um, don't need to report to an office anymore. We are going to convert, uh, and we've already started converting a lot of this space into collaboration space. We're looking at building up retreats as well. And so our employees, if they want to get together and have some face time, it's more collaboration time as opposed to having to report to a desk and you know sitting in front of a computer all day. 
but we actually expect to grow our footprint of real estate. So um, my wife runs a food incubator, as I mentioned, and with restaurants going out of businesses, um, you know, by the hundreds, unfortunately, uh, per region, and our employee base growing um, nationally now, we have pockets of employees in Texas, New Orleans, um, the Carolinas, we have clients all over the nation, um, some good pockets of clients in you know, Texas and New Orleans and Columbus and California. And so our thought is to get more hyper-local offices, um, you know, um, converting old restaurants into a more co-working space. And so the community can use it. Our mine grubbers that are um, located there can meet with clients and each other and collaborate in those spaces. Um, plus the kitchens, instead of doing, um, you know, front of the house table service, um, we're gonna convert them into ghost kitchens. So another business, as I mentioned, you know, under the umbrella, there's a lot of different businesses, but um, we are actually uh, looking to expand our um, real estate holding. So what what do you consider ghost uh, uh, ghost kitchens? I mean, uh, I know a lot of restaurants have folded mm -hmm. uh, because they they could not change fast enough, uh, and they had a lot of overhead with the with the locations. Uh, so what are you trying to do with these locations? Well, so a ghost kitchen um, is is really, really a kind of a virtual kitchen. You've heard, I don't know if it's Musk or somebody, but started, um, I think it's called Cloud Kitchens, which is actually, I, I think they're going public or they're already public and they're really taking off too. It's, it's like, you know, if you think about digitally, you used to have to like co-locate your kitchen or co-locate your servers in your office. Well, now my servers can be somewhere else. So let's say I'm a French restaurant in the Northern part of Baltimore and my kitchen happens to be in North Baltimore in my French restaurant, but my brand could be anywhere. I don't have to have my food served exclusively out of my kitchen. I could use another kitchen. And so the technical term of a ghost kitchen is I can still have my French food and my customer might be in South Baltimore. Instead of them having to drive to my physical restaurant, I can have a secondary kitchen cook my meal and deliver it to my customer in their home. And that would be considered a ghost kitchen for me. It's still my product, but it's not coming out of my physical restaurant. So we're creating essentially virtual or ghost kitchens, but we're also looking at um, pickup model because I don't necessarily, depending on you know zones, I could either have my product made in a secondary kitchen or I can you know look at the supply chain and use uh, delivery, which right now is exploding between Grubhub and you know Instacart and DoorDash, uh, order up. There's just so many services that'll take your food from your restaurant and deliver it to the house. So we're looking at using the kitchen as the kitchen and cranking out food um, and using largely cater caterers who can, as they're doing their catering for larger drop catering, they can also um, do home delivery via you know these delivery services. Um, and then they can also an added bonus service all the people in our now cafes and bars and um, pubs who are co-working. And, uh, but that model's drastically changing too. Everybody loves Starbucks, but it's annoying because you got to keep buying coffee or you feel like you're, you know, <laughs> a squatter. Um, but we're doing a membership model. So you pay for a membership and you can buzz in, buzz out, um, you know, 24 seven into these facilities. And um, we stock the food in there, but it's all self-service. So you essentially with your membership get a certain, you know, tier of consumption you know, X number of visits and coffee. And if you're there every day and you're going through three pots, then, you know, you're a premium member basically, but you pay by the month 
Um, you don't get nickel and dime for top. So, um, so restaurants would then use their own staff to, to prepare the food in the ghost kitchens. Or would you be providing? Oh, absolutely. So as restaurants pivot, um, they would they would be more about, it's more about kitchen staff. You know, you don't have the front of the house, so you don't need the, you know, the customer, right. you don't need the waiters and the busboys, right? right? So they go away. We're, we're not taking restaurants that are in existence and converting the restaurant itself. We're taking the real estate. So it happened to have been a restaurant. It's got a commercial kitchen. It has the front of the house, which is really, you know, restaurants are some of the most beautifully designed spaces, right? Right. But it's not yeah. functioning as a restaurant anymore. But if we take it over and use it as a co-working space and a ghost kitchen, now co-working spaces haven't come back yet. They're still working remotely. And we're going through another 10 months of working virtually. But eventually we'll, you know, um, COVID will pass, you know, we'll figure out how to social distance. It will resolve itself until the next one. And we'll have, you know, fits and bursts of being able to get together communally and people will want to go to offices, but you won't have to maintain it for the whole year. Um, it will be more kind of, you know, cafe type community, um, really brainstorming areas, but not reporting to a secondary desk outside of the home um, is kind of what the future is looking like. Well, when we come back from the next, from the, uh, have a commercial break, we come back, I'll continue the conversation with Todd Marks, uh, president of MindGrub. I'm Alan Hirsch of Alan Hirsch Advisors, and this is AHA Business Podcasts. Hi, Rick Dempsey here. As a former Oriole and Series MVP, I know a lot about winning and championship teams. Today, I'm happy to tell you about my award-winning web design and internet marketing team, Adventure Web Interactive. For over two decades, many of Maryland's most successful firms have chosen Adventure Web as their strategic partner for web design and online marketing. I can tell you from using them personally, their search engine optimization and social media programs have saved their clients tens of thousands over the traditional pay-per-click digital agency. Visit AdventureWebInteractive.com and listen to what clients such as Hercules Fence, TriStar Electric, ABC Rental, Rhine Landscaping, Markdown's Office Furniture, and many more highly successful firms have to say. And don't forget to tell them Rick Dempsey sent you. Strengthen, protect, and preserve your retirement nest egg. Scott Garceau here for the Stephen J. Sless Group, Baltimore's reverse mortgage specialist. Reverse mortgages have evolved to become a viable retirement tool. Enjoy retirement without monthly mortgage payments, improve cash flow, pay off debt, and stretch retirement savings. Stephen and his team can offer strategies to make housing wealth work for you. If you're 62 or older, learn if a reverse mortgage could help. Visit reversebaltimore.com. An equal housing opportunity lender. This is not a commitment to lend. Stephen J. Sless, NMLS 298581, PRMI, NMLS 3094. Well, welcome back to the uh, podcast. My guest this evening is Todd uh, Marks, president of MindGrub. Uh, welcome back, Todd. Uh, so when we, before we were uh, the break, we were talking about uh, uh, really changing the mindset of restaurants, working with uh, uh, a ghost kitchen that might be 20 miles away that they can service clients. Uh, and what else are you looking at that, can help restaurants and uh, uh, 
cafes and things like that? Absolutely. So um, restaurants and cafes right now um, have had to pivot and go and sell their product online and use the delivery services, um, the Instacarts, as I mentioned. Um, those services take a premium um, and they, they take quite a bit of the profits of the restaurant. Those restaurants that have had their own drivers this whole time um, are well positioned except they're missing the component of an easy way for customers to order. T traditionally, they would, they'd actually call it in. Yes, I understand. I mean, yes. Uh, we're, uh, so we're going to try to get in there and, and make a mobile app. Well, we've made a mobile app for restaurants, but try to disrupt that market in that they can have their own mobile app and customers can order directly from them and utilize their own drivers so that they don't have to give a lot of their profit um, to the delivery company. So that's it is a it is great option if they already have their own drivers or they can deliver, you know, um, with walking delivery. We have Jimmy John's right here, and I ordered that for lunch, and um, I think he sprints across the parking lot. If anything, he uses a, a, a bicycle, but I know he doesn't drive because it's so close. Right. Um, but yeah, I could order directly from Jimmy John's. We actually we call it in, but imagine if I could you know punch it faster into an app. Well, also with calling in you run into mistakes. People get the credit card wrong. They uh, get the order wrong. I, I ordered, I ordered uh, a pickup a couple months ago from a local restaurant here uh, near me. Uh, uh, one time the hamburger came well done and I like it rare. Uh, they missed the order. They cooked it in advance. Uh, uh, I'm sitting outside waiting to be delivered and it's sitting there because they don't, they didn't know, remember that I'm waiting outside. I called them. Uh, and when you do this uh, using e-commerce, an e-commerce site, you can order the whole thing. You can get your credit card in and a time of pickup and time of delivery and where uh, you're not making mistakes. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, and the health, you know, aspects of it. So during COVID, you know, one of the biggest shifts was, you know, maybe one or 2% of the people in the grocery store used to be from a delivery service. Um, I think at one point during the height of COVID, up to 50% or more of the people in the grocery store at any given time were shopping for somebody else, not in the store back at home, um, which is just amazing, you know, the different disruptions that happen. But if that's the case, if, you know, if that's the way things are going, you think of, um, you know, the the big warehouse grocery stores, those are really well positioned because no one's gonna care about the aesthetics anymore. It's just get in and get out as fast as you can. So, uh, you know, so I think there'll be grocery stores that are more warehouses, right? Well, That's the reason Amazon's gonna become that much more of a juggernaut moving forward. Well, I, I think uh, Amazon, I mean, you just look at the stock market. Uh, Amazon has uh, taken off mm -hmm. uh, because people are buying more and more by mail. They're not going to any store uh, because of COVID. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, you go to stores uh, and you, you, know, you wear your mask, you do all of that. It's empty. The stores are empty. Yeah. Well, they're maybe not empty, but they're no more than 50% capacity. Um, we're actually in Maryland. We're, um, I think on Friday, we're going to back off a little bit and we're going to not have any indoor restaurant um you know access so we're going to shut down the indoors again which makes a lot of sense 
in those situations where you take your mask off indoors um, to eat or drink or speak, that's when you get it. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, because the COVID is, is really uh, been disruptive and you're sitting there uh, as this agency uh, and you're adapting, you're adapted your, your entire uh, company culture. Well, actually, that's the thing. Our culture didn't actually change. We just stopped reporting to a physical location. And that's the interesting thing. And that's what really helped us shoot out there. We had employees that left um, before COVID. And um, they heard what was happening at MindGrub during COVID. And that our culture going into this. And our, we had a culture of transparency and you know, um, employee first and flexibility, um, all of that stuff. But yeah, like everybody else, we made people come to the office. But when we went online, it, it really helped, um, you know, be a force multiplier of our culture of transparency and flexibility and stuff. So we had a number of employees that had left and they came back because they realized now that we had such an amazing culture and um, they wanted a little more freedom to be able to work remotely in, in a lot of cases. And now we've got that too. And um, so, you know, our culture stayed the same. We, we used to have, you know, our fun committee used to do in-person Olympics. Now it's online Olympics. We used to do like a, a, a talk in the evening that like our creative personnel would put on. Now they are doing in the evening Minecraft cribs and, and somebody gets to do a walk through their house and showcase their home office and their dogs and stuff. And our beer club is now virtual. I mean, so the same things we did, you know, except our climbing wall is not being used. We are looking at doing a, a responsible or socially responsible and distance hike. Our, um, our, a lot of, uh, some of our clubs, like our outdoor club did have to cancel um, some of our major events. And um, we typically would do, you know, a big family, you know, barbecue in the summer, and we had to cancel that. So we're thinking of alternatives. I, I, I'm looking into the possibility of running an entire cruise ship and getting one that has sat for at least 48 hours and instilling that all staff wear masks and we never convene in indoor spaces other than your own cabin. But if we could do it right, I think I could get the entire company potentially onto a cruise ship. But we do have a lot of employees that I don't think they're going to leave their house for 12 months unless I, you know, airdrop in and drag them out for mental health reasons. Right. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to have some physical events, but we're, you know, we're, we know that we might just have to keep, you know, doubling down on our online culture. And that's, it's, you know, frankly, more programming as a business. And so we're starting to do a, a lot of programming from, you know, content to, you know, newsletters, after work programs from Minecraft Cribs, um, but things to keep everybody really engaged and not just staring at their computer to work for us. Yeah, well, it sounds like you, you but you've adapted the culture. Your culture's, you know, the culture has changed from doing them where you are or group events to online events. You've changed the way you've tried to maintain a uh, fun culture. In your I'd, business. Say, I'd say elements of the culture have changed, but the vibe has been consistent. Yeah, but but that's being consistent with your with your mission of keeping your your employees happy and pleased and enjoying their time working with you. Absolutely. 
what are some of the traits or experiences that you possess uh, that prepared you to lead the company through this kind of a problem? Yeah, so, um, you know, there's, there's uh, I got to think of um, the author, but uh, in, oh, The Hard Things About Hard Things by David Horowitz. He talks about a wartime CEO versus a peacetime CEO. And uh, my gift is being able to solve problems. And I get really engaged and enthusiastic when there's a lot of problems to solve. And um, I'm a classic wartime CEO. So, you know, when COVID hits, that's when, you know, I go into action. Well, and, it's uh, you know, the last time we had any sort of peace at Minegrub, um, I think I got a little antsy and I went and climbed up to, you know, base camp of Mount Everest. Um, and it got my thrills that way. And then I came back and, you know, took mind grub through its next growth spurt. Uh, but I, I love this stuff. I mean, I, I thrive on challenge. I used to go down the meanest rivers and, you know, climb the hardest cliffs. And that's what, you know, kept me going every day. Now I have to do that with business because uh, I do have a family to support. Yeah, you, you sound like you believe in uh, uh, thinking differently and challenging the status quo, which so many people don't do. Yeah, somebody, uh, somebody pointed, said the other day, they said, uh, Todd, you're a rib poker. And I like that. I am, I am totally a rib poker. I will own that. A rib poker? What do you a mean by that? A rib poker, yeah. If you put me in a meeting and people are like, man, 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 man. They're just kind of like talking. I'm like, we should do this. You should do that. This should be the outcomes. What are the action items? Like, I prod people to do things. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I am, I, I can, you know, I can take a, you know, a, a ragamuffin group and, and train them as a teacher and inspire them as a leader and make amazing things. And that's what I like doing. And, and, and it, uh, it, it, you remind me of uh, a Steve Jobs in the way you've transformed your business and the way you do business. Perhaps, but I, I'd like to say I'm a really nice guy. And I, I've, I've, I've I, 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 I won't go there. I won't go there. But uh, uh, you understand why you do what you do. Yeah, right. Uh, which he did. And he built an amazing company. He, he absolutely. And he had a vision. That is for sure. And I think you have a vision. So where, do. where do you think you're going to be going? What's the future look like for Mindgrub? So we're going to continue to innovate um, and grow. We, uh, we sit in a great spot between agencies and consultancies. So on the agency side, you have the you know, WPPs and the Omnicoms, the big four agencies. On the consultant side, you have the big four consultancies, um, you know, Accenture's and Deloitte's um, of the world. And they're you know, accounting companies at heart. So we sit between those where we're a very creative consultancy or we're an extremely technical agency. Um, however you want to cut it and the world is going end to end so we can build your software we can deploy it and we can market it and we're really a unicorn like that so it's nothing but you know scale and growth for us um, you know we're we're at about 150 I'm really trying to get to you know, 500 my real goal is to crest 100 million in revenue um, consider going public um, without any investors we actually have 15% of the company is owned um, by the employee in the form of phantom shares and, um, and uh, profit sharing. And so we have to go public. They'll have 
you know, those shares of the company and without having done it with investors, that's kind of an exciting goal. But, you know, who knows? My kids, I still have seven years before they're out of the school. I've started a robotics company now with a partner. We, uh, we started a, a business, a marketing company in cannabis and hemp. Um, I now am a, a developer and I've got several real estate properties. So, you know, uh, they can keep building fences around me, but uh, we're expanding in a lot of different ways into a lot of different industries. So, you know, there's so much blue ocean out there. I can't, I can't predict 100% where we'll be, but I know we'll be along the path of the convergence of man and machine. I know we're going to, you know, crest 100 million and, and be the next big, innovative, um, you know, impressive company in this nation. Well, uh, thank you for the, this interview. It's been, been wonderful. Uh, I think your, your company has been innovative and uh, uh, literally turned itself around uh, during the pandemic and you, you're, you seem to be doing amazing stuff. Well, so it, wasn't, please, it wasn't a turnaround. It was an acceleration. We, I, under, I, that's, yeah, I understand. We've grown every year, but we have had some acceleration to that growth since the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I hope that acceleration continues. I do too. And enjoy, enjoy what you do because you sound like you do, uh, as I do. Uh, anyway, take care, Todd. Thank you very much for being a guest on uh, AHA Business Podcast. Thank I appreciate you so much it. for having me, Alan. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, my guest next week will be Eric Stein, Steiner, lawyer of the Eric Steiner Law Group. I'm Alan Hirsch of Alan Hirsch Advisors, your host. To reach me, call 443-977-4500 or visit my website, alanhirschadvisors.com. This has been the AHA Business Podcast.